while you have the light so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. The Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. From Paul's letter to the Philippians, found in human likeness, he humbled himself becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. As a little girl, I sang John Boring's famous hymn, In Season and Out. In the cross of Christ I glory, towering over the wrecks of time. Perhaps you know it too. The first verse continues, all the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. Today, the Feast of the Holy Cross, I find myself drawn back to that remarkable hymn and its straightforward, passionate, and eloquent reveling in the cross of Christ. In the cross of Christ, I glory he has me sing. So I wonder this morning, is that our task this day and throughout our Christian pilgrimage to glory in that instrument of death? Is that what the Apostle Paul teaches us in the Carmen Christi, that the mind we are to have in Christ Jesus is one that glories in the humility of death on a Roman cross. Shall we call the cross holy? And shall our response to that cross, when it processes before us, be an outpouring of glory, of praise and thanksgiving and honor to this instrument of savage death? Professor Mattis has often likened the Roman cross to our present-day electric chair, that instrument where the condemned sits in terrible formality and stillness, hands and feet bound to its metal frame, convulsive electric current jolting through the victim, immobilizing and burning the prisoner from within, death following from overwhelming electric shock in moments or perhaps agonizing minutes. Should we glory in such a terrifying beast? And everything about crucifixion tells us that the electric chair is humane in comparison to this modern cruelty. To suffocate, to shame, to break, 
That was the Roman cross. And it seems to redound not to the victim, but to Rome's glory. So as Christians on this Holy Cross Day, we might ask ourselves in full earnestness, just what does it mean to glory in such an instrument, in such an execution? Now, perhaps you are saying to yourself quietly, if ever there were a case of misplaced concreteness, surely this is it. No one, not even Barring, had in mind that the cross itself is the object of glory. It's rather that the cross is the means by which our salvation is wrought. And by metonymy, we transfer the glorious deliverance of Christ's obedience to the place where that obedience unto death was realized. Of course, a child thinks in such concrete terms, but surely not now, not in maturity when childish things are put away. That's rather like delighting in the dentist because she takes up a drill rather than because she realizes her purpose through it, the deliverance of the tooth and the happy eating of another meal. <laughs> well, perhaps we could think through the ordeal of Christ's obedience by these means and this rather frivolous example but I wonder if our consciences can be so quickly assuaged. For is it not the case that there is something deeply and truly wrong about the cross? Is that not the question that haunts us when we sing the glory of the Holy Cross? Should we not say as Christian believers, and not simply as historians of empire, that there is something disastrous about the cross, a grotesque aberration of justice, and a cruel exhibition of infidelity, desertion, betrayal? How can we in truth express the travesty that is this Roman execution, and more centrally, our own part in it, by smoothing these rough edges away with a gentle application of Christ's blessing, healing, and deliverance of sinners, the outworking of his costly obedience. Can the cross be both wrong and glorious? I think we have not begun to come to terms with the shock of the cross without facing these haunting questions. For the cross, it seems, sums up the disruption and the scarring of everything that is just in the being and life of Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ is wrong, we might say, because nothing seems so foreign to him than death. Jesus Christ is the Lord of life. He is resurrection and deliverance, and in his wings is health. 
in his sacred body, power and vitality flow out so that our touching but the hem of his garment is sufficient to knit up the wounds of the whole earth. His very body, given under bread and wine, is the grace of eternal life, and its irresistible force so vital that this meal is not incorporate into our bodies, but rather we are incorporate living members of his. The cross appears not glorious then, but rather a contradiction of everything that Christ means and is by his incarnate life. But the cross seems inglorious for a more personal reason than its opposition to the life and resurrection that Christ simply is. It is also wrong because we are. The Gospels relate the creaturely response to the Creator coming into its midst. We are offended by him. He is inconvenient to us, his ways are strange, and we prefer the works of the night to his penetrating and revealing light. The cross is what we creatures hoist him on when the eternal Son descends to save. And it is simply confirmation of this terrible truth when we try to draw back from this searing diagnosis. Not we did this, we say, but those other people back there, over there, those faithless, disobedient, smug, rebellious ones, they are in the wrong, not us. And just so we confirm the wrongness of the cross, because we hold ourselves to be always in the right. And this is not the humility, the lowliness that the Apostle Paul tells us is the mind of Christ. And yet we are still told to glory in the cross this festal day. We are to find the cross somehow wrong, radically ungodly, and also right, utterly and transcendently good and holy. How can these things be? To be struck dumb by such a stark contradiction is to begin to enter the mystery of the cross, the mystery of our redemption. There is in this mystery a dangerous destabilizing of our assumptions, our confident assessments and judgments, that vertiginous condition the philosopher Nietzsche called the transvaluation of all values. This is not the same as relativism. It is far too radical for that. It is the mystery of God's holiness. This is shadowed in the sacred tongue of Hebrew. For Kodesh, we remember, can mean consecrated, holy, 
set apart, but also defiled, polluted, prostituted. Holiness so searing that on contact it also defiles. Sacred scripture itself is so holy that it defiles on contact. The mystery of our redemption is the enactment of this strange holiness, the alien work of the one God. The holy God enters our realm through the defilement of death. The eternal son comes to touch and to take for his very own the utter desecration of his person, life to enter and undergo death. As the Apostle Paul dares to say, he who knew no sin became sin for us. The Holy Cross reveals just this sin, this defilement, our enmity, our warring ways, our contempt, our appeasement with evil, our blindness to need and desperation and want, our unrepentant fear and greed. The cross is the name for this defilement, this wrong that runs through each person's heart. It is the Lord's indictment of our ways. And the cross is also Christ's own redeeming work, his own throne of holiness. At that wooden pole, the revolution that is God's redemption breaks forth. The Son of God takes our wrong, our cruelty and our indifference, and in the white-hot fire of his passion, forges holiness, deliverance out of our defilement. That turning over from waywardness to grace is the holiness of the cross, the place where evil is turned to good, our good. So we may confess and sing this day that we glory in the cross of Christ, towering over the wrecks of time. We sing our own judgment in that hymn of praise, our own confession of our death-dealing ways. But how much more we sing the glory of that one who, though equal to God, emptied himself, taking our likeness and our form, and lowered himself, walking the way of obedience to the terrible center of death, making it his own possession, and making us his own people. May we glory in that holy grace this day, and thank Almighty God that even in death, our death, we will meet Christ the conqueror. On that Roman cross, he is the Holy One of Israel, the Savior, and there is no other. To this day and to this cross, 
we give thanks and say, Amen. page 358 let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we believe in one God the, the Father, Father the Almighty, Almighty maker, maker of heaven, heaven and earth, earth of all, all that, that is seen and unseen we believe, we believe in, in one Lord Jesus Christ, Christ. the Almighty